This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron Bentley and I am joined live here in an unnamed hotel in Hoffman Estates, Illinois with my normal co-hosts. First up, it's Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? What's up? And um, I'm very glad that you kept the location of the hotel a secret because <laughs> we wouldn't want any, uh, I guess, crazy fans to come and try and mob us in the lobby, I guess was your thinking. Yes. So that was very smart. you got a good head on your shoulders. <laughs> Thanks. Also joining us, it's Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I am here, not at my hotel, which I will bury because it is a divorced dad's haven. <laughs> Don't trust what you can get on bundles, everyone. But yeah, glad to kind of do this in person. This is wild. We've been doing this over Skype and other mediums over the last few months. And it's cool to get together with my boys and let's talk some wrestling. And returning to the show on the first day of self-care September, <laughs> it's Aaron Taub. Aaron, what's up? Not much. It's me, the uh, the Tori Malatia of the Everything Elite podcast. It's great to be here. Um, I just uh, I'm thrilled to be back on the show. I'm back from assignment, and I'm ready to get these takes off. It's it's just really exciting to be here with my pals, talking wrestling, and uh, yeah, let's do it. All right, make sure you subscribe to the show. You can find Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice, or subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I think all the host issues are cleared up. You should be able to be subscribed and get the feed, uh, usually on Thursday nights. This one's coming a little early. All we're going to talk about is uh, All Out, the review the show. Uh, if you need other takes, make sure you're following us on Twitter, at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heiya. And Aaron Taub is at AP Taub. Yeah. The complaint department no more. <laughs> Only compliments. <laughs> Only good posts. Only compliments, and he's back from assignment. So... <laughs> Be sweet to our sweet boy. That's right. All right, well, let's start by just talking about some overall thoughts on the weekend. Didn't do a ton of wrestling other than All Out. Saw, I think all of us were at Street Fight Radio mm-hmm. on Friday night. You can find them at Street Fight WCRS, I think, on Twitter. Uh, great show. It was a great weekend. Had a lot of fun. What about you guys? Yeah, I really enjoyed the Street Fight show. Um, it was a... Uh... Very fun live experience, having not seen them live before. Um, and yeah, otherwise just been hanging out with you guys. Um, <laughs> and that's been a blast, so. We've been in your area, so. <laughs> yes, it's the K-pop disliker who says that. But yeah, no, Street Fight ruled. Love seeing those sweet, sweet Ohio boys. And you know, it's cool seeing how people build things and take it on the road. And how they basically become like true road dogs and... You know, Brett and Brian are sweet guys, and it was good to see them. And, you know, Chicago, great. Chicago slaps. Like, I had a good time here. And even though only went to one show, I think that was probably the right move. AT, how is it like now that you're on self-care September? You got to take a trip to a wrestling show. You got to hang out with the gang. How has your trip been? Oh, it's been great. I mean, uh, friends of the show may know that a lot of people call me Big Treat. (laughs) When I go on vacation, I just like to eat. And I've been eating really good. I had a really good lamp shank at this, like, kebab house that we stumbled into. I had some deep dish pizza. Um, it's, been, it's been seeing some great, great people. We saw our pal TJ Hawk. We saw Blankus Maximus. We saw uh, my comrade Curtis from Miami DSA. It was great to, 
see Curse on the way into the show. So yeah, it's, it's been cool. We've just been seeing all of our pals. We saw the Street Fight Boys. And um, yeah, I'm loving life, watching wrestling, just chilling out. I, you can't beat it. No, we yeah. all spent yesterday afternoon at the captain, Rich Krejci's house. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm like into the suburbs now. I've never <laughs> really sort of really appreciated uh, the uh, <laughs> the like the appeal, but I'm like, oh, he's got a backyard. You don't. Have, you can go to a backyard. You don't have to go to the park. You don't have to pay to go to a bar's backyard. It was the nicest, cleanest, most well-designed bathroom I've ever been in. <laughs> Tremendous beach aesthetic. Um, we got to meet um, Michelle, uh, Rich's wife. She was she was very nice. Um, Shouts to the nurse. She, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed Michelle. She was very funny. Had some good roasts of Rich. And, oh yeah, kills and Rich. Just the wrestling, uh, the wrestling, you know, followers there, which was uh, very entertaining to me. And yeah. It was cool to see the other people in the staff, too. I mean, like, Jeremy. I mean, I've been talking with Case now, off and on, for, like, two or three years. Oh, you never met Case? Never met Case until oh, yesterday. Cool. So Case is a good kid. Case is a good egg, and, you know, he's fresh off his victory in the three-point contest. So yes. Pumps up that. And I'm trying to think of who else was there. I mean, there was everyone significant others, and I feel bad that I'm forgetting their names. Steve. Yeah. But it was it was cool. We got we got to meet their dogs and yeah. big dog guy. Louis is the man. He's an absolute unit of a dog and big unit. Yeah, just like owning the stage. Hans didn't like anyone, but yeah, great time. It was a good way to kick off all in day or all out day. Sorry. Come on. All right, let's talk about overall show thoughts. I'll start uh, with you, Nate. Just what were your thoughts on uh, the show from top to bottom? Uh, I thought it was a. I'll give it a quite, that'll be my modifier, a quite good show. Did not have the, like, magical atmosphere and fantastic crowd of last year's all-in event. Um, we're kind of approaching the point at which it's like, oh, no, it's, it's like a normal thing to have another major league wrestling company in the United States. So we're sort of maybe seeing the changes that could have on the audience and the, the people that are checking out the product. Um, but certainly enjoyed myself. Yeah, Aaron and I were talking this morning about like being at All In and how just crazy hot the crowd was for everything, no matter what happened. That was not the case at All Out. It was like a very normal wrestling crowd, I thought. And something I know, Aaron, we talked about was that everybody who was a star has kind of dropped down a little bit, and they haven't created any new stars since, really since AEW started. So that's got to play some part. I mean, other like Luchasaurus is the only guy, but I'm not sure that they really did anything to do that. No, it seemed to have occurred naturally. Yeah. But he did get, like, some of the biggest reactions of the night. The other one is, we're still having the fun of, like, new debuts and stuff. And Orange Cassidy was, like, the second biggest star of the night, maybe. It was, well, it was maybe, like, Arn Anderson and then Orange Cassidy <laughs> in the number two position, <laughs> which is, like, a very funny pairing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we're seeing that, that fun part still developing. Um, but, yeah, just sort of a, a lesser... I don't know that guys are necessarily less over, but reactions were not as, um, you know, it wasn't such a big, momentous event this time around. Yeah, I, I yeah, that was my sort of my number one take home. It was just like, yeah, it was like, this was a molten hot crowd last year, and this was like kind of like, um, like almost a WWE crowd where it's like there's kind of like, they're not dead, but they're not, like, hype. And then, like, when things happen, people get up for it, but kind of the baseline is kind of low. And I think it speaks to the fact that, yeah, this is, like, a real promotion that's running. They have a show every... They've had a show every month for the last three months, and 
you know, it's less of a kind of big special thing that they're running. And I think that, yeah, they need, you know, now that they're going to have TV and like, it's useful to consider that this is still like really like the preseason almost for this company. Um, but, but now that they have TV, hopefully they can start getting some more, um, folks over and, and, and building the matches better. Right. I think outside of the, the Cody, you know, Sean Spears match, there wasn't really a great build for this show. And I think that showed in kind of like the flat, some of the flatter reactions for folks uh, on the show. Yeah, and one of the things that I had back in my head was comparing and contrasting with being in the crowd for Double or Nothing, which was definitely, I wasn't at all in, but I got the feeling that the crowd experience was very similar for people that have been at, were at both. But this one, it to take a word from, or phrase from a, bigger journalists. They they need to make them more superstars. And <laughs> I feel like that other than like Luchasaurus, which feels like an organic thing, and the crowd the one person that I feel like over the match progressively got a little bit more over because of the booking was Nyla Rose. Especially mm. after the first three shows, she's felt somewhat like an afterthought or was not as much of a part of what she wasn't a part of one of the shows, but the other two shows that of what she had a match in. She was not a featured person. She was not the focus there. So it's interesting. I think like the big thing that we could get surmised out of it, I think since all four of us were there, and something that I feel like we've been talking about on the show for the last two months or so, pretty much since the match was made, was the whole elevation of Hangman Page did not come together in the way that I feel like that they wanted them to. And I think that's why they made the right choice in the main event. And to be honest... All the decisions they made last night made perfect sense. I think they were, for the most part, the right decision, except for like one tag team match. And I think we all know which one we're referring to, I'm referring to when I say that. It, it seemed like they, if this is the end of the preseason and they're not going to do some like pop-up show before October 2nd, it seems like they've set up, at least for the most part, a lot of people in good places. But at the same time, I go back to they need to create more superstars and really, unless someone is like organically over... I can only look at Nyla Rose as the only person who got over through that. All right, let's talk Nyla Rose. The pre-show kicked off with the Casino Battle Royale, and Nyla was the big winner. She eliminates uh, Britt Baker with a little help from B. Priestley. I have to interject here that I saw a woman downstairs in a Brad Paisley football jersey, but I thought it was a B. Priestley football <laughs> jersey. <laughs> I was very confused. <laughs> did you think Amy was five seconds away from asking this random woman where to get, like, where he could buy the V Priestley football jersey, only to find out that it's Brad Paisley. Yeah, it's very fucked up. Yeah. So, Nyla, so coming in, I expected Britt Baker yeah. to win this match. I thought Britt would be the first women's champion. Clearly, they're going instead with Britt and B in a feud, which should be hot, so I'm excited about that. But, Nate, what did you think about uh, Nyla as the winner? And what did you think overall about the presentation of this match compared to the men's battle royale? Yeah, I thought this was, at minimum, considerably better than the men's battle royale. Some of that might be that I was seeing it live and was not dealing with, like, the camera and production miscues that sort of happened on Double or Nothing. Um, but pretty much really enjoyed the match. They really kept it moving. Like, there were no long scrum sessions in the ring where they just had a big groups of girls like you know throwing punches and, and and pushing each other off into the corners and stuff like they had the entrance they pretty much eliminated pretty people pretty quickly to, to keep it tight 
And uh, I think that really helped. That certainly really helped Nyla because she, like, you know, took out the entire first wave of uh, the other women and was pretty dominant throughout and, and staying on top of uh, the new entrants as they came in. Um, I enjoyed, really enjoyed all the entrants in here. Like, I had a lot of pleasant surprises for me because uh, love uh, Nicole Savoy. Mercedes Martinez is, is, like, a great wrestler who was, like, you wouldn't even think would be in that position. Like, you know, she's, like, an independent star, and she had, like, the Mae Young classic run, I guess, there. But, you know, and, and certainly is, like, a talent deserving of that sort of spot, but you wouldn't just imagine that she would be able to get that because of how women's wrestling has been treated in the U.S. Um, but you also had Tennille Dashwood and uh, Fabi Apache and Priscilla Kelly fan of hers, so... Awesome to see all those girls involved here, and uh, yeah, I was pretty happy with how this went. I was like, yeah, it's a nice, uh, good opening match for the card, and uh, a good result. Um, Nyla is sort of like a counterpart to Awesome Kong. Like, they are both play the monster role and have experience both with, you know, Western and Joshi wrestling, so, you know, my prediction wasn't too far off. I was just like a couple degrees off, I think. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a fun little match. And it was good to see, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of what Nate said. Good to see, you know, pleasant surprises. Cool moment for Mercedes Martinez. Like, just, like, a true, like, OG of U.S. independent women's wrestling. So that was cool. Um, Nyla Rose, I'm like, excited for Nyla Rose. I really like her. And, yeah, it was, it was fun. I was, like, sad that Nyla won almost by cheating. Like, Nate brought up, uh, you know, <laughs> Face Hogan cheating to beat a heel Sid, the famous meme we all love, and I kind of felt that way. I would have liked Nyla to have, her, her victory to have been, you know, uh, untainted, but, you know, you can't have everything. Fun match, you know, right woman right, won, so, uh, yeah. I think one of the interesting things about this, well, two things, and I'll be quick. First, I'm looking at the eliminations list of this, of the Battle Royal. Nyla led with 10, which made sense. She had cleared out most of the first two waves. And then the next people who really had eliminations were Brick had five, Awesome Kong had three, then Ali, ODB, and Sadie Gibbs all had one, and B had three. So those were all, with the exception of ODB, contracted people in the company. So they did a good job there of focusing on the women who are going to be there, if not week in, week out, but will be there in a consistent basis and then also just looking at the list of people that were involved in this match you had a lot of wwe pipeline maybe young classic women who were in this that either WWE pass on or had them in the process but got kind of pulled out of it and none more so than mercedes martinez i mean she as y'all are saying was like the big indie seller i mean she was on the ring of honor shows pretty much since the jump and getting her in this like really kind of showed that how serious they're taking the women's division. Like you just kind of came out of this really impressed with how they booked it. And in comparison to the men's one, when I was in the crowd for that versus this one, this one was like a breeze. And maybe it is that as Nate said, like they didn't have people just standing in the corners and punching, but it just felt like that it was snappy. They got with it and nothing really overstayed their welcome much at all. Had to love the B Priestley, Sadie Gibbs, interactions <laughs> if you don't know like there was twitter beef about sadie leaving stardom and will osprey calling her out on twitter and i mean i guess that was just maybe sort of headcanon that made that interaction really fun but you had to i don't know it felt to me like they were playing off of that i definitely thought that there was a intent to at least put those two opposite each other uh it was secondary i think to Britt and b Priestley who also got into it i thought 
they did a great job of setting that up for Britt, like really had her um, come across with some good fire when she just immediately hunted down B Priestley, like as she was entering even. Um, so that was a good hot part. But yeah, and then I, I was like, I was sitting with my normal friend. I'm like, oh yeah, now I have, now I have to explain like <laughs> wrestling in Japan Twitter drama to you so I can like try and get you on the same page to be like, oh wow, this is like a significant sort of uh, pairing they're doing with uh, B and Sadie. On our next match, we had the private party taking on Angelico and Jack Evans. This was just a great little pre-show match as far as private party came across as huge stars. I know, Nate, you liked their gear before. I wasn't as crazy about it. I thought this gear was great. Oh. They looked great. Mm. The crowd responded to them. And it was exactly what you want out of Angelico and Jack Evans. And it was like, well, out of Jack Evans in that he <laughs> did all the big spots that you know got the people going. Angelico kind of stayed out of the way. And uh, I thought this was really fun. I, I mean, I think I went over more than I should have. Uh, I went three and a half on this. But I, I had this take. The private party are the Young Bucks now. Mm. Like, they had all the cool tag spots that seemed, like, new and fresh. Uh, the Bucks are, like, I mean, they turned out to have a pretty good match on this show. But they're, like... Old and like tired at this point, not really, you know. But private party, they're, they're over. They're getting over with different stuff than they did four yeah. years ago, right? Right. And private party is like what the young bucks did. Here's right. all these new exciting moves. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to dispute your gear take first, right off the bat. Uh, <laughs> I like Mark Quinn's Go gear off. is cool and it is like distinct. It's like he's got a, it's like a the, the tuxedo tails make it like unique, and he's got the cool hair and uh, the, that he wears the sunglasses like during the match until they fall off is just like <laughs> a great little trick to immediately get the crowd like oh how long are those going to stay on there and they give Jack Evans something to heal on which was great uh, Isaiah Cassidy's gear was like just too close to the Orlando Magic's <laughs> basketball gear like it looked like he was wearing like generic Orlando Magic gear that you would find at like a, a sporting goods store or something so you know he can if he can get on the same page as Mark Quinn that'd be better but yeah, I thought this was awesome. I think, like, Jack Evans is, like, kind of a joy to watch because he's always doing something, and you just, he has such a clear, uh, I have such a clear idea of his character, and so everything that he does, like, fits into that and just amuses me always. Uh, and I like Angelico now because of his goofy dances. He, like, he has a more of a presence doing that stuff than... Uh, I'm used to, you know, seeing from him when I've seen him on indie dates or whatever. He's, like, very horny now, I feel like. All his dances are horny. He's got some, like, big, like, sexual, like, serial killer energy going on with him. Like, straight up. With his gear, too. Like, the full, like, sleeves and shorts. It's, it's really, like, I, I think we're going to find out this guy's a sociopath and has bodies buried in his basement. But, yeah, no. I, I say this Kennedy's gear actually, funny enough, reminded me of um, Jack Evans' original gear when he used to have, like, the tank top and the long mm. shorts. That he pretty much had up until he went to Triple A. So oh, that was cool. And this match, I mean, it was real hog hours, and you, you gotta love to see how uh, Private Party get over. And I mean, they've been doing this completely organically. And as they said, like the earlier, like they're like the new young bucks in a lot of ways, and and they just draw your eyes to the screen, and that really draws you to it. And I like the fact that the Guerreros del Cielo are going to go heel. Like they need to have some other heel tag teams, and Jack Evans, like. He is like a complete crazy person as a heel, and it's great, and I love to see it. You gotta love it. Yeah, no, it's a fun match, and uh, yeah, big night for Hog between the private party um, having a, having a good showing and and uh, LAX 
as uh, big surprise uh, appearance. So yeah, New York City Wrestling is back, baby. Let's go. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I don't know. This is a fun match, and I, I don't have too much to add on on what was said. The finish was sick. That like Rana into the cutter was that's a cool finish. And yeah, it was just a, a fun time was was had by all. I think. Yes, Mike suggested uh, the green team on Helico and Jack Evans attack the private party after the match. So we'll set up a little, maybe a, a match in the tag team tournament, a rematch between these two. Uh, really, you know, not very chill out of the green team. You can only assume they were, na- were not able to find any Iranian tobacco mm. before the match. And, uh, you know, just not being very nice. Yeah. And also, yeah, it's, it's clear that they see something in private party and, like, they're going to get pushed. And that's exciting. You're, we're going to watch these guys, like, grow and develop and become, like, big stars. Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, you guys talking about how we're, they haven't made new stars mm-hmm. or whatever yet. It's like, Private Party mm-hmm. and, like, Darby and Joey, like, probably are where you want them to be at this point. Right. Like, they're not, right, they right. haven't gotten enough exposure to become, like, superstars. But you can see that it's like, the crowd is fully behind them, you know, continuing to win and continuing to be featured. So, uh, you know, certainly a lot of potential there. Mm-hmm. We saw a vignette next with the debut, I guess, of Wardlow. And he basically just beats up a bunch of guys on top of a building. Very, like, from, like, a shoot fight perspective, a very strange sequence of events. But I think it worked. Like, I was like, oh, this guy seems kind of like a badass. It was a very, like, funny vignette. Like, <laughs> they did, like, a... He was doing fake wrestling moves, like... <laughs> and, like, presented in, like, a movie context. Yeah. And we had, like, a hot woman with him. And that, I know, my area, like, like, there's a point where some guy, like, jumped at him and he catches him by the throat, and my area all laughed at the, the throat <laughs> catch. Cause, and then they didn't show the bump on the choke slam for that. It's like, oh, he didn't take that bump on the asphalt. Yeah. No way. Um, kind of goofy. I'm, I'm leaning goofy on the presentation. And the, okay. the name also does not distance it from goofy. That's still, like, goofy adjacent. Yeah, but he looked like a guy who's like, oh, this guy could be tough. Oh, he's got a great look. Uh, I saw him at Warrior Wrestling, um, and it was shot well and everything, and, like, it just it seems like it's closer to goofy than badass. All right. We saw MJF backstage with Jen Decker. Could not hear this in the arena, so I have no idea what he said, and there was a, a turn-him-up chant, so I think we were not alone. Yeah, I could hear fine, except for the people chanting, so huh. shut the fuck up. <laughs> I strongly believe in people shutting the fuck up. So, all right, let's move to the main show. SCU wins against Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stun, or as they were announced, a small boy, a boy, and his dinosaur. Uh, Aaron, I'm gonna start with you. Well, I mean, Luchasaurus, the most over guy to this point. Yeah, on the show. certainly in the in the early part of the show, he's great. You know, you see, he's like, yeah, big guy who can move and. This has a fun gimmick, and yeah, this is fun, and Marco Stunt was fun, and people love the SEU people. I don't know. I feel like I have a lot of reactions on this undercard, where it's just like, there weren't a lot of stakes in a lot of these matches. Everything was, like, kind of fun. There was not, like, a heavy emotional investment in, in anything that happened, really, up until Cody and Sean Spears. And so I just feel like I'm just going to keep being like, yeah, this was a fun match. I had a good time. Like, Luchasaurus is over. Marco Stunt was fun. You know? Jungle, yeah, I don't know. I like, feel like I have very little to say. I have, I, I'm sorry I have so little to say about this match. <laughs> Come on, here. But, yeah. like, at the same time, this has been the style of opener that they've done now for the majority of the shows where you would have a trios match and 
at least initially we thought like, okay, you're going to have the SEU get like each of these trios here. And it makes you wonder, like they, they've already said there's going to be no trios division, like, but there are tri trios matches. They keep track of them. But it makes you wonder like when you have, like, have them constantly in this position and the, the matches are fine. Like I thought the, the strong hearts match was a lot better than this one, to be honest. But this was like good. And you got to see how over uh, Luchasaurus was. And I mean, it was just fine. Like, at the, end of, at the end of the time, it was a good opener. I mean, we were there the whole entire time, so I, if anything, I felt like that I would have flip-flopped the uh, private party match in this one just because this one was not as, like, ramped up as the private party match ended up being. But, you know, I just wonder for SEU, like, with their status on the roster, if a lot of them with backstage roles, is this just going to be what we see out of them, like, Every other week or every third week, we get an SEU opener. It's pretty much the same because I can see myself within four to six months getting really bored of the SEU trios match. So I, I hope this is just a preseason thing. Well, I don't know. It's kind of funny because it's like SEU feels like a gimmick that should have a very short shelf life where right. they just come out, they say SEU, and it's like, you know, three guys who are like, I guess, kind of on the back end of their careers. And it's like, it's fine, but like people still love it, you know? No, you know, ticket buying public wants to go and yell it's the worst town they've been in. So <laughs> I don't know. Like this, is, I feel like this is like what you want an undercard act to be, and like as long as people are still into it, they should keep doing it. Yeah, I think, um, like I said on the preview episode, I think they're they're a good undercard act because the whole crowd that goes to these shows enjoys their act and likes seeing them. They're not buying tickets to see them, obviously, but they're like, yeah, I'm going to like this match. I like these guys. So that works. The highlight of this whole thing, obviously, was uh, Luchasaurus and his Big Shine segment. They had the three SCU guys lined up in a row, and he, like, kicked at all of them and hit the one on one end, and then kicked the other way and hit the one on the other end. That was hilarious. I popped huge for that. Um, and then he, you know, just looked like a million bucks slamming guys around and kicking their ass and got, you know, like, a, I think like a standing ovation at that point, maybe. <laughs> So that was, uh, you know, what you want to do with that guy. That kicked ass. Um, and beyond that, the other thing I was like, oh, uh, Jungle Boy is actually not that small. Like, he was like the same tight as Kaz. I was yes. kind of expecting him to be, like, small. But he was like Kaz side. I mean, not Kaz not super big or anything. But he's, like, not actually like a child or like a boy. <laughs> no. It's like a human man. He's a normal-sized dude. And also, my big takeaway, I knew that Jungle Boy was a good-looking guy. But seeing him that close, I was like, he's really hot. I said that to SB, and she strongly agreed. <laughs> he's a hunk. But like, Huge hunk. He's going to be a hunk that, like, he's, I think, 19 still. I know he turns 20 soon. That, like, oh, I'm canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, but he's definitely someone that I think we could all guess that down the line where there's going to be the big terrible moment when Luchasaurus turns on him just because mm, okay. that's wrestling, and he'll be, like, the good baby face on the up, and, and I think that would be really cool when it happens, because he just has that presence, especially more so than other people on the undercard. Dude, he felt like a star. Just looking at him, I was like, he's got great presence, like Mike is saying, a lot of charisma, even when he's not featured. It's like, this guy could be a massive star, probably not just in wrestling. I mean, he could be a big star. Also, pretty good work. I think he was set up, set up with Daniels in like the opening right. segment, they had yeah. a good like technical exchange. He's like, yeah, this guy's been wrestling for a minute. Like he knows yep. what he's doing. The other part uh, I want to shout out is very cool finish. Like I wanted the Luchasaurus team to win here, but they set up a double best Meltzer ever where he 
did Tombstone to Jungle Boy and Marco Sun at the same time, and like I couldn't be mad at that being like it's like okay, not the team I wanted to win, but I'm not mad because he did fucking a double Tombstone on two people off of a moonsault. I was dope. Yeah, but they got to run with this Luchasaurus guy. They yeah. got to do something with it. They him. will. Yeah, they will. I think. All right, the next matchup was uh, Kenny Omega taking out Pac. I would not have bet on this being the second match. <laughs> but you know what I would have bet on? I wish I would have had a bet on Georgia State beating Tennessee yesterday. And you know where I could have made that bet? Where's that? MyBookie.ag. Folks, college football starting. NFL starting. Esports. Oh, esports is all is 24-7 every month of the year, every week of the year. And you can bet on it at mybookie.ag. And folks, I would only recommend a betting service to our listeners that's proven. That's why MyBookie is always the right play. You bet, you win, they pay. I was looking at the esports listings, yeah. Mike. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you wanted to bet on MyBookie today, we got Mouse Sports taking on Liquid. Oh, yeah, that's a big CSGO. There's a huge CSGO tournament going on there. And I have friends who do the the e-bet, the betting for esports and they've been following this all along it's a major and i'm i also seen that they do stuff for other leagues such as overwatch they're in their playoffs now and i mean we're coming up on league of legends world championship baby and you know if you want to start gambling on that and if you have any interest in it my book is the place to go for this and with college football season coming up you know how i love my canes I, I know you love the Canes, Mike. And whenever I go to a place where I could bet on the Canes, I always do. But from now on, I'm going to be using mybookie.ag for this, Aaron. So if I had bet on the on Georgia State yesterday, they went they went off at plus 1450 money line. Jeez. So a dollar wins you $14.50. Uh, they were 24.5 point underdogs. Yeah. And they beat Tennessee. Oh, you've got to be loving that because this is Tennessee in your division. That's absolutely right. Beautiful day for my cats. <laughs> Wish I had a bet on it. I didn't. Uh, my bookie also has live in-game betting on every NFL game. And uh, they got the most rewarding player perks in the business for people who play fantasy. You can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. That's not me, but I know a lot of people play fantasy football. So you got that. Uh, make sure you go to my bookie. You get up to $1,000 first deposit bonus, and you get double your first deposit. But you have to use the promo code ELITE to activate the offer. Uh, visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code ELITE, E-L-I-T-E, when cre- creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet. Win. Get paid! Yeah, yeah. All right. Good read. Thanks, man. Proud That's of you. The, the get paid part. is really the most important part. It's, it's, <laughs> it's key that they lay that in there. Well, it is because... As someone who legitimately bets on sports online, there are places where it like feels sketchy sometimes. Right. Whether you're ever going to get paid, <laughs> so at least mybookie.ag is not one of those places. They got elections on there. They do have elections. You can right. bet on the 2020 presidential. You can election. put down a uh, twenty-seven dollars on the first Jewish president. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's talk about Kenny Omega versus Pac. I would have also lost a bet on the uh, winner of this match. Pac beats. Kenny Omega, uh, by submission, Kenny passes out in the submission. Uh, I'm not sure what the name of the hold is, but... The Brutalizer is, I think, what they're going with. The Brutalizer. So, Mike, i got to start with you. Uh, You were celebrating. Uh, What do you think about Pac taking down Omega in his first AEW... Well, yeah, it's his first AEW match. Right, yeah. And it's something with Pac that 
he's had kind of a storied year. When you're considering wrestler of the year candidates, he should be on your short list because what he's done in Dragon Gate. And I'm really happy to see that AEW's kind of continuing that like way to book Pac because I feel like that's the best thing to do for his uh, character and his work. Like he definitely is someone that should be kept strong and you know, being able to be up for the winning winged angel and changing it to the brutalizer, which is like this cross face with a leg trap arm bar. It's really kind of a interesting move. And the crowd wasn't too aware about this finisher. And to be honest, as someone who with the exception of like few people in the on like the British scene, I've probably seen every Pac match he's had since he left WWE, at least in Dragon Gate. He doesn't do this, so he debuted this move here. I went and tweeted when I saw this was second, which was a big surprise that I was going to say, okay, is Pac going to win like in seven minutes? Because that's why you would have that here. But instead we got like this kind of, it wasn't really a Pac match, at least from what I've been seeing, but it wasn't really a Kenny match at the same time. And it just felt kind of different and weird in a way. And one thing I want to say before I pass the mic is, uh, Pac is someone that can fly. And of course he did it a lot more as a face, but he is someone that, even as a heel, he'll choose like the right moment to do this. And AEW, when he's going to do that Orihara moon, salt to the outside, you should maybe like take out a row of seats, push everyone back, because <laughs> yes. it was very close to really hurting him poorly. I, it's a good thing he has like a shin guard on, or else we might have seen like another TK Orion thing, because that was ugly. But you know, this was fine. And then one of the things that big things did post show, which I. We can get into that later, but was really clearly going that the next program forward for both him and Paige are going to be with each other, which makes a lot of sense given what the original plans were. Yeah, so it didn't really hit that next gear for me where it was like a big blowaway match. And really, as soon as it came on second, I kind of knew where I kind of adjusted my expectations like, oh, this is not the semi-main. Okay, then they're probably not going to go out there and, you know, put on a, a blowaway classic match or something like that. Um... The crowd was like with all the spots Kenny did. I don't know. You kind of uh, get, uh, you kind of like uh, get a clear picture of like where people came in on Kenny Omega because you like see the V trigger and everybody goes bigger the V trigger. It's like oh these people are waiting around to see the V trigger because they think that moves really cool. Um, but it, you know held everybody's attention throughout. They had some big cool spots in it and the finish I thought looked great because that move looked so uh, physical on Kenny. Like, you could see Pac's arms straining across his face and, like, looked extremely uncomfortable to be in that move. So, in that regard, I thought it uh, did the job well of being, like, a uh, legitimate-looking or, like, a convincing enough submission that you could buy that, you know, it could uh, uh, get Kenny out for the, enough time. Yeah, I thought this was great. I really quite enjoyed this. Um, I think that, you know, Pac's timing was great, like working as a heel and kind of cutting Kenny off when he started to get momentum early in the match. I think that, like, you need a match like this to get Pac over as a heel because, like, realistically, like, this crowd is not watching Dragon Gate. Like, yeah. Pac was not over when he walked in. Like, he was a guy who was on WWE television, you know, a couple years ago now. And, like, you know, there's 10,000 people in this building and we need to think about the number of people in the United States who are watching Dragon Gate and it's like maybe 500, Matt, you know, maybe, so it's like, maybe. so like, if, even if all of those people are in the building, you still have, you know, 95% of the people in the building have like not seen this guy in several years. And so I think like it was good to establish him. I thought, I love that the finish like came out of nowhere and was just a surprise and you kind of had this sort of like stunned silence of the crowd. 
um, which was a really cool moment. Um, Kenny Omega got, like, less of a reaction than I thought he would. Like, I thought he would, like, walk into this building and be, like, a god. And But he was, like, popular and well-liked and people were pulling for him. But it didn't feel quite like this sort of, like... He didn't feel like a top, top guy? Like, you, not on the level of a Cody or a Jericho on this show, for sure. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. Like, definitely a compare contrast him with the rest of the Elite members. And maybe it is card placement and everyone's going, why is this match second? But there definitely was, like, a difference in reaction. And that's something that you can compare with Double or Nothing, where he did feel like the guy there. Whereas here, there was just confusion, I feel mm-hmm. like, for lack of better words. And I think something else that's worth keeping context. Dragon Gate, yeah, maybe... 200 people in the building followed Dragon Gate, but also at the same time, with the kind of like outreach that they're going to be doing for other fan groups, we, we have to realize and accept the fact that Cody and Jericho and the former WWE guys, for most of the audience, are just going to be the people they're going to be most familiar with. So the fact that like he was already positioned as something, and for maybe some of the new fans, like, oh, I've heard of this, this Omega guy, this was not like a match that was going to get Kenny Omega more over. And that's something I think will be something to watch as we get towards CV. Like, how are they going to solidify Omega and these guys who were big in other companies but not on national TV? Yeah, I think that's a great point. This, if, if you're just tuning in because you were a WWE viewer and now you've heard about this new thing and there's some guys you recognize there and you're one of the people that chanted stupid idiot at Chris Jericho later in the show because <laughs> you thought that was fucking hilarious, um, you, this match probably did not convince you that Kenny Omega is a massive superstar. I think uh, one thing that works against the Pops, kind of, is they have the two tunnels at the entranceway. So when people are making their entrances, half the crowd sees somebody like 30 seconds before the rest of the crowd does. That's a good Because half the crowd can see right down the tunnel and see whatever's happened there. See them walking up the stairs and walk, just walking toward you, and you're not really sure when they're out on the stage and when that Pops supposed to be. And then the other crowd doesn't see them, you know, for for half a minute, basically, until that happens. So you kind of get, like, a delayed thing there where it's like you're not really sure what the, oh, this guy's here now moment is. Uh, on Cody's entrance later, it's like he came out of the stage and everybody's, you know, in on it together, and it kind of works better. My favorite part of this match, other than the finish, which was, like, it came out of nowhere. It was a cool reversal of the one-winged angel. And I just honestly expected Omega to win, so it was all, like, I just loved it. Thought it was good. But the other, my other favorite part of the match was they had this really stiff strike exchange. This was toward the end of the match that ended with Omega doing a shotgun drop kick to Pac into the turnbuckle. Yeah, and it looked stiff as yeah. fuck. It was so good. It looked like a pump drop kick in a way, just because of the way he cranked it up there. And Pac's one of the best bump takers I feel like in wrestling. It was a great bump because he for everyone. And this goes back to his days even before WWE. He can make everyone's stuff look great and. For like, I mean, Kenny got a couple of V-triggers in there. He got the Kreutz Wrath for like the first time in like two years, I want to say. Or at least as like a big spot. He took everything great. I mean, Kenny also, for the rebound German, which is one of Hawks and I can do big moves, he made that look great too. So, if anything, this makes me wonder what like a next match between these two could be, even though it seems like they're not going to go in that direction. Well, they have to eventually, right? I mean, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Well, for one thing, it doesn't make sense for Pac to win this unless he's going to be around this yeah. promotion. And two, it doesn't make sense for Pac to win unless there's going to be a big Pac-Omega match, maybe for a title uh, sure. in the future. Yeah, on, on, on the moves also, um, Kenny's 
drop kick to the back of the head looked way more way worse in person, I think. Oh yeah, it does. Or maybe that was just this particular one. Yeah. But it really seemed like he drop kicked his fucking head off. That was pretty cool. One of the I can't remember if he threw more than one V trigger, but the one that he did went live where we were. You could see it went right into his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh that it looks way more brutal on TV. Yeah. All right, next match, we got uh, Joey Janela taking on Darby Allen and Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy Havoc is your winner. He tries to do a top rope suplex onto the Cracker Barrel, because this was the Cracker Barrel Clash, but they miss most of the barrel, so then he hits it with a ripcord lariat and, and smashes the rest of the barrel, barrel to get the win. Darby Allen's on the outside uh, during all this. Um, pretty fun match, and like more fun even really than I anticipated. This uh, match was awesome. Um, highlight of the show to this point, I think. Uh, kind of, I was a little down after the last match because I was, you know, and the crowd was also a little down because they wanted Kenny Omega to win. Um, but this, like, really got him right back into the show, I thought, uh, which is awesome when you have three guys who are, like, you know, relative unknowns on the U.S. national level. Um, but this match deserved a better finish because uh, they fucking went out there and killed each other and killed it for, like, however many minutes. And then they had like a you know vertical a superplex onto a barrel where it just caught his leg, and then the goofy ass acid rainmaker, which is kind of a lame finish anyway, and then he does it like over a barrel and it kind of exposes the barrel as being gimmicked, and it really you know the match just deserved a better finish than it got. Yeah, I thought this was great. I think that the star. I mean, so for context, when AB and I had our little podcast about Evolve, we were just huge. Darby Allen fan. I love Darby Allen. I think he's a superstar. I think like watching him grow through Evolve is like kind of an undercard guy who just tried to kill himself to a guy with real charisma and who had real buy-in from the fans. Um, to the extent that anyone in sort of that era of Evolve had buy-in from the fans. <laughs> but like I adore him. I thought he came off like a total star in this match. I think like the money match in this promotion 18 months from now is Darby Allen versus Chris Jericho. Like, he's such a great um, babyface and an underdog. He went out here. He tried to kill himself. He had the skateboard with the with the tax in it. He he just jumps off the screen. Towards the end of this match, people were, were chanting, you know, got some Darby chants going. Um, he just fucking was all over the place. Um, and I just... He's, he's, he's great. He... Um, and, and I just, uh, and for me, like really outshined the other two guys in the match. Like I, J- Jimmy Havoc doesn't do as much for me. Joey Janela is like a guy I like a lot better in theory than in practice when he's in front of me. He like kind of, I think like doesn't totally like jump off the page the way that Darby does. And, um, I don't know for me, it's like, like should be full speed ahead for Darby Allen. And I don't know why, like. Jimmy Havoc won this match. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really, I have no idea. No, but teach their own. It's just one of those things that seeing Darby live now, both in like a small, small room setting, like at Evolve shows, and then seeing him in a sold out arena, his physical charisma is second to none. I I want to say in wrestling, he's one of the few people. It's like him and Pac. I feel like are two of the most physically charismatic people in wrestling. And at the same time, like he does sweet stuff and he looks like a badass, which are two, which are the two ways to get over is is do cool moves look like a badass. And he did some really inventive stuff, like the thumbtack skateboard Scott spot, where he decided to sketch onto uh, Janella, and it just was looked very brutal. And 
You know, I, I think that we have to accept that since we don't go to fake Eurographs, we don't get what Jimmy Havoc is, and it's never going to reach that level because we didn't live through that storyline and progress. But yeah, but how many people at AEW shows did? Probably not that many, and I think that's why you got that response like that out of Jimmy Havoc winning. It was kind of deflating. It was probably one of the more deflating responses of the night, and then, yeah, the gimmick barrel, like, when they came down, I was like, oh, I was, like, looking at the the ring on the barrel, and I was like, okay, that's definitely taped up. <laughs> yeah. Lo and behold, like, it was a press board and duct tape barrel, and what we learned early on with the uh, tape with the tax is that gaffer tape is the one true way to, to ensure that someone's not getting anywhere. But, yeah, this was okay. Wanted Darby to win. Yeah, there were some really cool spots. Dar- I mean, mostly Darby being yeah. cool. Um, the first barrel exploded awesome. You were you almost called it, A.B. He said he was going to do the Sasuke spot. And I thought he was fucking doing it. Mean, I was yelling it at the time. I stood up and he's going, Sasuke! <laughs> but I was losing my mind. But when he did the coffin drop, and it was yeah. pretty much as good as the Sasuke spot yeah. would have been. So He also did the fucking dive on the Jimmy Havoc in the chair from the top of the outside. Hey, just from, from that Chicago match, right? He did that against like DJZ oh, that time. That's right, yeah. I wow. forgot about that. Um, but this time, Jimmy Havoc had a yeah. mouthful of tags at the time, which yeah. was like... Wild. Uh, so, fucking, the meat of the match, there was a lot to love. I do think Jimmy Havoc did better in this than he has done in his other performances. Like, he had more shine, and he had some more inventive stuff um, that I hadn't seen before. If, uh, really, probably Joey should have won this. If Joey had won this and pinned Jimmy Havoc or whatever, I would have been like, oh, Jimmy Havoc was kind of okay there. Like, I kind of enjoyed that there. But because he won, you kind of focused in on it. Well, in fairness, the way they dealt with Jimmy in this match was to literally tape him to a chair for the first ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. So it just it kind of hurts the whole discussion we've had on this show about tiering, because it's like, well, so now Jimmy Havoc is above Joey Janela. Yeah, Joey is eaten. He lost tier. He lost the unsanctioned match. Um, he lost to Hangman Page in this building last year. He is getting received like a star, but they're kind of like not maintaining the, the crowd's expectations for his uh, presentation, I think. Next up, speaking of crowd reactions, next up we got the Dark Order taking on the best friends. And I'm just going to leave the room during this one because I didn't watch this. I took this match <laughs> off. <laughs> and uh, Evil Uno gets the win over Trent. Basically, this was everything we said it was going to be on... <laughs> The uh, preview show. Oh, speaking of preview show, we should say one of the coolest parts of the last match, the three-way, was hearing the Wicca phase Springs Eternal yeah. theme from right Darby. On. It was sick. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely one of the best themes in the company, if not the best one. And uh, actually had like people in my section were clapping along to it, which nice. does not happen in American crowds. Like in Japan, a lot of people that like chant or clap along in perfect time with the music. Whereas in America, we're just not smart enough to do that. We don't have the music education. Like, people do not have rhythm to even keep a chant together. Right. But for a, for a brief, glorious moment, everyone was clapping along as Darby made his entrance. And I was like, fuck yeah. Also, like, I mean, I shouldn't disagree with the creator, I guess. But I feel like I was paying attention to the time. And it's like at 30 seconds when that first kick comes in in the song. And I think that's good. Like, it's a good, yeah. okay, Darby can walk out. And then that guitar riff comes in. It's good. Uh, maybe they should just hire our good friend of the show, Wickedface, to do all of the songs because had good clapping, had good timing for the stingers. It was and it was, it was great live and good for them that they got the tuning the way that Adam liked it. So it felt yes. great live. But they should. Was it from your 
spot was it the same way the music was not loud enough yeah the music was not loud enough um in general like for maybe like two or three of the acts it was loud enough and mm-hmm. then like if the next person would come out it would be too quiet again yeah not sure what that's about i feel like it was fine at all in when they were in the same building yeah yeah th- this seems like be a new thing people. yeah it seems like be a, a thing with them with the new people in production because it felt the same way in Double or Nothing where things were kind of out of audio balance. They did do a great job with the arena lighting, I thought, and they changed the arena lighting to, to, to a point where it's like, oh, they're sort of setting a different mood here. Like, there were points at which they turned my entire section red, and I was like, oh, wow, I guess we're in a red match now. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of did a good job of, like, setting the mood, but, uh, and this is one area where the WWE does a better job. Like, when somebody enters, it's like, the whole thing, the whole experience in this building right now is this guy's entrance. And you've got the colors and you've got the the music, like which is like overwhelming almost. Like they're not quite on that level where the music's like, I am feeling this guy's entrance right now. All right, let's get back to the tag match. Evil Uno, Pin Trent. Uh, it was w- what we expected in that the crowd did not care about the Dark Order. They were pretty into Best Friends. Mostly during Best Friends' comeback, they kind of got into them. But this match did not get the Dark Order over with the crowd. This team is dead so far. Maybe TV does something different. But as of now, they're dead. Yeah, I saw, like, when they came out and they had, like, the, the, um... I guess the the guys with them. The, the creepers. Kids, the creepers. It was just like, okay. I, the creepers just looked so, like, Chikara. corny. So Chikara. It was extremely <laughs> Chikara. It was really corny. I like the best friends, but I was like, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to get a snack, go to the bathroom. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. Like, you want the best friends to do well and to have, like, a feud with real stakes or something. But I, I just, like, I don't know. I, yeah. It did. I was like, all right. I feel like I'm not going to miss much here. I'm not super, like, drawn to this match. I don't know. Yeah. And it was one of the things that we both kind of, like, tag teamed this match. Like, like I went up, got our started order, yeah, and set right, up for the second right. half of it. And if anything, from the parts of the match that I saw, it seems like that they're already building the best friends towards a trio when they don't have a trio division with the debut of Orange Cassidy. And the best friends are still gonna be part of this tag team tournament, I guess, since this was just in a, this was just for a buy. But, you know, this has pretty much confirmed everything we've been saying about the Dark Order for the last four months. Like, let's let's call a spade a spade. The Dark Order aren't over, and it's to the detriment of both Uno and Grayson that they have this shtick that is so small room and doesn't play to a large audience. And even if it did play large, no one likes it, and it's not over. And it's, I'm someone that, like, I love the Super Smash Brothers, and I feel like I said that enough, but I do not regret skipping out on most of this match. It's kind of concerning that the two acts that they've really tried to get over, Adam Page and the Dark Order, neither has gotten over. Yeah, now you're not wrong. Um, the action of this was, like, pretty good. Like, the Dark Order has cool spots. They just need a better presentation. Uh, and I don't even hate the, the the creeper thing is like funny to me, and I <laughs> enjoy like I'm fine. Like if you want you want to have super serious top guys and melodrama in your singles main events and stuff, like I'm fine having like semi goofy shit in the tag division. I think sure. it's a good way to make them distinct from each other. But is it supposed to be goofy? It, it, 
No, it's not. But it, that they play it serious doesn't detract from its uh, entertainment value as goofiness, I yeah, think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the crowd's just not buying into it. Had this been last year's crowd, the spooky perverts thing would have gotten over huge, I think. So, you know, I'm going to blame the crowd for that instead of my take being incorrect from last week. <laughs> um, but and they just need, like, a bet. They need better gear. Stu yeah. Grayson's gear is, like... Weird. Really minor league. It, it, it's like the guy you would see at the VFW all or something. And it's not really like he's doing like a Kratos cosplay thing and the other guy's like a creepy goon guy with his goony creeps around him. Uh, it, it, you just need like a more coherent major league looking thing. After the match, as, as Mike suggested, the lights go out. So you're expecting, you know, something related to the Dark Order, right? That's what they're playing into. But instead, the lights come up and Orange Cassidy standing in the middle of the ring with his hands in his pockets. The crowd goes wild, which it's surprising me. Like, we're talking about what these fans know, but they all knew Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Or enough of them did for him to get a great reaction. He, he, he got a big reaction in LAX. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. And it's like, LAX was on impact and otherwise, you know, came up in like House of Glory and like beyond. Orange Cassidy is like also on like a Beyond tier. It's like Beyond and Evolve, and I guess now in PWG. But sure, but he's never been on TV, right? No, no. And so it's like, how did how did that happen? Like he became more well known like off gifts or Jim Cornette burial segments. <laughs> now that's a that's a fair point. Yeah, that's... this is AEW is like a meme GIF YouTube crowd. Right, right. They've probably seen like Orange Cassidy like. YouTube clips. Yeah. You're definitely on Twitter if you're coming to an AEW show. Absolutely. There are a bunch of like viewers we don't know where they came from. Yeah. yeah. We think. We think. And, and it's one of those things that <clears throat> when you compare it to LAX, it kind of shows you the wrestling marketplace nowadays. And I hate using the word marketplace, but that's what it is. That the relevancy of certain companies nowadays, such as Impact on whatever like random outdoor network they're on now on Twitch versus someone through social media, videos, and then running. I mean, to be honest, most people probably who've seen Orange Cassidy live have seen him at these ancillary events that run during weekends that other promotions are running something. So they found a way to take like the, I mean, let's call space made here. The GCW shows have done more to get over people in this marketplace than Impact has, and then arguably Ring of Honor has. And when I say Ring of Honor, I'm not talking about the elite because the elite are their own thing, but it kind of tells you what the, where the place is, how wrestling is today. You know what I mean? It's GIFs, it's Twitter, it's YouTube, and it's these other events. Maybe that's why Joey Janela comes off as such a star because when you see him at a smaller house, small house, and I've been saying that a lot today, but a small house, he is over to this. When you see Orange Cassidy in a small house, he's over to this. When you see LAX on TV or like watch them on Twitch, impact crowds, they do get loud, but they don't get crazy. But when you see these guys in front of crowds, they get crazy. They're going to get over. So Orange Cassie, of course, like they go lights up and the crowd goes nuts for it because the people who do see him have seen him in places where he was treated like God. Well, and it's also like if you are introduced to people online mm-hmm. and all you see is the online reaction to them, only a few people have to really be into it for that person to seem big. Right. So it might be helpful that they haven't seen this guy on TV where there's a mild crowd. Instead, the crowd that introduces you to him 
is crazy about really enthusiastic. Yeah, it's good. yeah. We're living in the viral content era of wrestling. Like, like it's, guys, we got to do all these podcasts live. Yeah, we're feeling it. We're vibing. <laughs> I'm feeling the energy here. We're on the prowl. Woo! <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to crack it. Take it, take it down. I don't know. Here, take it back down. You gotta have an even flow, you know. Gotta pace ourselves. Um, it's fucking 9 a.m. or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, the viral content era. Yes, yeah. I agree. And yeah. AEW is the viral content. Because people are not like watching Orange Cassidy like maybe in context. They're like watching a right. small clip that you know someone shared and is like, oh look at the-. their friend who likes wrestling shows to them to be like, hey, check out this accessible wrestling thing. I don't right. know. I'm just ripping, but that's. Yeah. Well, Orange yeah, Cass- Orange Cassidy, big star. He is yeah, huge star. He did a, a tope into the creepers. The best friends come in. They hug Orange Cassidy, so I guess he's going to be part of their act. Gentleman's Club is on Major League Television now. That's right. Very funny. His, I mean, his performance is very funny. Like, does the dive with his hands in his pockets. Yeah. Gets back in, hands in his pockets. Kips up, hands in his pockets. When they go to the best friends, hug on him, he doesn't sell it whatsoever. <laughs> he's just looking at the camera like, he whatever, was, guys. He was almost corpsing, though. Like, he was barely holding it together. Because I think he knows how, knows how ridiculous it is. It's very but, fun. Yeah. And it's great that they had some freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy at the end of the hug. Next we get my most anticipated match. The Joshi match. Yeah, baby. As Riho takes on Hikaru Shida. Uh, ultimately, Riho gets the win. Bizarrely... At, like I haven't looked at everybody's takes, but I think I'm the low man on this match. Really? I thought it was like okay, it was fine. It so part of the problem I think with the match was they started out very slow as far as so I've seen this take elsewhere. I think it's true. There's not a lot of feeling out right processes in in AEW matches. They kind of get right to the like the middle of the match and then build from there. This match started with a more feeling out, slow build, and the crowd was so dead from the Dark Order that they really couldn't get going with how they started this match. They needed to start the match in a different way, I think. It's like a little unfair to the Dark Order. Like the crowd was not up for these two relatively unknown Japanese women having a <laughs> no. straight-ad wrestling match because the Dark Order is so not <laughs> No, no, no. What I'm saying is they, the crowd was dead, and that... The crowd Riho was so super hot for Orange Cassidy. I know, but Riho and Sheeta should have started the match hotter, is my point. Well, it depends on what you're trying to do, really. Yeah, well, what I think what they are trying to do is get over to this crowd. I don't think they did that. Like, Fair, yeah. The crowd tried to get behind them at certain points in the match, but it never really worked. Uh, they were kind of going toward the end, uh, but I just didn't feel like... Anybody came out of this match, it's the same problem as Hangman, except on a, a worse, well, not as worse of a stage, but nobody came out of this match as like, oh, this is a title contender. No. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the work was, like, pretty good. Uh, I thought Sheeta was, like, pretty good as, like, she was playing the bully in this role, and, like, Riho was underneath as, like, the, you know, smaller wrestler. Um, all the work was good. They did some cool spots and stuff. I also don't know that the lack of, like, giant reactions was, like, a particular indictment of the ability for the match to get over. Like, all the big spots got big reactions. So people were paying attention and with it. They just weren't doing the constant sports entertainment thing of, like, dueling chants or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Like, people were with the match. It just wasn't, you know, a, a, a fucking riot in there or whatever. I guess. There was just no noise a lot of the time. Yeah, and that's, like... Like, I think we need to be okay with that because 
basically just like Japanese audiences are better than ours are. Sure. And they're not that noisy all the time. So I'm like fine with that. If we get there, that's fine. I agree, but I think we have to judge even all Japanese talent matches that happen in America by American crowd standards. So this match was not as over as a lot of the other matches like during the match. No, and I wouldn't have expected it to either because it's two relatively unknown Japanese women who are like right. having a, uh, a very competent women's match in the United States, which has made a joke of women's wrestling for the last 50 years because of Vince McMahon, basically. They have a ton to overcome. They have the whole world to overcome. I agree. My, my criticism is of the promotion. Like, okay. they are presenting this match as one of these two people is going to be one of the first title challengers, and it's not on that level for the crowd. So I know they have to start somewhere to build that up, but I feel like there were better ways to go about this. It, Nyla Rose versus Riho does not feel like a hot title program. We also just saw Riho get the big upset pin on Nyla Rose in the three-way match. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's like, so seen, we saw that. Like, if she does it again, it's like, you know, as expected, I guess. Right. Kind of curious that they went right back there as well. And yeah. it's something that when you like watch these programs and you see this going, Riho has been portrayed a lot more. And I, I don't want to. I'm trying to say this without sounding like I'm just hot to trot and big in my britches. She, she, she's portrayed <laughs> like a typical Japanese underdog wrestler. Like straight up, she won with a flash pin here. She won with a flash pin against Re against Nyla Rose. Like this is a standard way that you buck not only just Joshi wrestling but Japanese wrestling in general. So this one was, if anything, felt like an authentic Japanese match here. It was this one, and to the point about the feeling out process, I think we need to kind of accept that this is not going to be a mat wrestling heavy promotion. And if that's something that people really want to have a lot of graps in it, like I'm sorry, I, they, it's just like when you look at like. People who are going to do a feeling out process in the promotion. It's probably going to be your Rihos and Hikarashidas because that's the style of match that Joshi often is. And this was really like, we're right in the middle of the stardom five-star Grand Prix right now. And what this kind of felt like was a five-star Grand Prix match that like you had Shida healing. And it was like probably like 11-minute match. And then you had Riho get the pin out of nowhere. And I feel like it was the same kind of style of flashman that she had against Nyla Rose. Because I remember during the... the the six woman tag at Double or Nothing, it came off like the double stomp, then pen. Oh no, Sheeta who won that one with the uh, yep. Flying Wizard or the Shining Wizard. But like, I think that's something we have to kind of get ready for. Like, I get your point, Aaron, about how you have to judge it by the same standards you're going to do across for what Warrior Promotion is based in. But this, to be honest, this felt like the most traditional Japanese style match that they've had in this promotion to date. It's just weird. It's like Riho, am I remembering this correctly, that Riho gets into it with Sakazaki after the three way? Yes. Yes. But Sheeta was the heel in this match. Yeah, yeah, she played heel in this. Like, she and, was willing to take that position. And Nyla's a babyface. Mm hmm. I guess. Kind of. She, she's like the monster in the division. Yeah, I mean, I but love. Nyla, but she's the monster that but, everyone likes. Yeah, everybody's behind her because they think she's cool, basically. Yeah. I love the the idea of the Nyla Riho match. Like, I think that's going to be a cool match. They're going to play that well. They did a great job in that three way. Mm -hmm. But. I just don't understand, I guess, and, you know, people will tell me, I, I guess, to watch and just see what happens. But I don't understand where this division is going. I don't see how it all plays together. And I don't think it's working at the level I wanted it to so far. And I think that's something we're going to have to see as it goes, as we go on, and uh, as you just kind of said, because <laughs> yeah. when you, like, look at the women who are in the Casino Battle Royale, the people who really got over when I read off the eliminations were almost universally people under contract. When we've seen the people who've been starred... And this, it's been the people that have had longer affiliation here, and I think the women's division, we're going to have to see how this develops, it's just because of 
it if it's more filled out than than we know, and they say they have a better roster than they have, we don't have the evidence on okay, who's going to be next up after after this match? Who's going to be the first challenger? Like we don't really have kind of a hierarchy. Whereas the tag division is still being settled this tournament, we'll kind of get like our own internal rankings of okay, this was the finalist, these two were the semifinalists, these were the people in the quarterfinals. Right. There's hierarchy there, and there's already hierarchy in the men's division. We don't have that yet in the women's division, and I'm wondering how they develop it when it seems like they don't have as many women under contract or they don't show us that they have them under contract because there's so many people in the uh, Battle Royal that seemed like they could be a one-off appearance. Any big Joshi takes AT? No, I thought I have very little recollection of this match. <laughs> I remember being all right. Um, I hope Nyla just... If I were them, a cool thing that I would do is just have Nyla win the match in, like, three minutes and just destroy Riho and, like, go from there. That's, I don't know. Can we get, you know, she's, you know, Nyla's much bigger than her. It's, like, kind of big versus little. Just have to do squash and, like, establish, like, your monster champion. Now, can we get a, a judgment from the room? I, I thought Mike was not too big for his britches, but might have been too hot to try. Mm. <laughs> I'm always too hot to try. <laughs> too hot to try, yeah. Too hot sure. to try. No, yeah, I'm Iron Man. That was my impression. Yeah. Hot to yeah. trot, Mike Spears is my name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, as uh, I think Aaron said during the show, we'll now get to the business end of this card. Yeah. Uh, Cody taking on Sean Spears. Cody ultimately wins with the crossroads. I thought he was going to go onto the chair. But he did it away from the chair instead. So, uh, gets the win. This was probably my favorite match on the card. Uh, really enjoyed it. Nate looks a little more skeptical. So, I, I want to hear why you weren't as into this. I, I was into it. I was surprised that it was your favorite, I guess. Um, I thought this was like what I expected. Uh, but it was not uh, like a star-making performance for Sean Spears. I thought his... Entrance was like the highlight of what he did in this match. I thought the the entrance would have been better with a louder crowd just booing the shit out of him, which we just didn't have on this night. Um, but his he, like he had a lot of presence, I thought, and and sort of commanded the the camera well on that. Um, the like his wrestling, I, I guess it felt like very Ohio Valley. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I enjoyed the, the... I knew this was going to be like melodrama and overbooking and uh, got what I wanted in that regard and got the slow burn of MJF picking up the chair after the match and, like, being behind Cody but not doing the turn on him yet, which is exactly where we wanted at this point. Keep that slow burn going for, you know, months. Nobody talk about Arn Anderson before I get to it. All right. Go cool. ahead, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that this was... This was pro-damn wrestling. That's right. right. I fucking love this shit. This is, I think at this point in my life, in my older age, it's like I've seen a lot of spots, I've seen cool matches, I want a, I want a story that I can sink my teeth into. And it showed, right? Nothing, there was like, no one cared about the outcome of any of the matches on the show uh, up until this match. And maybe this in, in the main event where the two matches were like, people cared about who won. And, you know, Cody came off like a, a huge star, everyone was into it, we were all behind him. I thought, like, his big comeback with the, I guess, like, the leg lariat or the kick or whatever was, like, great. It was heated. It was, um, you know, it wasn't an overly gory spectacle, but it was still a spectacle. Um, you know, the MJ, I mean, when MJF turns, it's going to be fucking awesome. He's so good. Um, I thought that, I just thought that, like, um, yeah, we wanted to see our guy get his revenge. 
and and he got it and it was good it was it was just well paced it was just um i thought it was just a delight it was not overbooked it was not underbooked it was the proper amount of booking <laughs> and and i just you know i'm here for it. i can't believe it but like i love cody i'm all on i'm on the cody train Twat. i think that his vision of this promotion is so much more interesting to me than what seems like the young bucks vision of this like Sort of the road to all out versus the, you know, the being the elite lead ups to these shows. It's like, I really, I love the road to all out. I, I, I'm just, um, yeah, this is, this is why we love this shit. Um, so <laughs> I loved him not hitting him with the chair. I just, you know, it was, it was really, really sweet. And that's kind of, uh, yeah. And it's fine that they're not going to make a ship star out of Sean Spears. It's like fine that like. Yeah, like this was the. It seems like the point of this was to have a good, hot upper mid card match and something for Cody to do and a chance to build momentum, perhaps for a future world title shot. And it was just, it was great. In the end, Sean Spears is a good hand. In the yeah. end, Sean Spears is a good hand. Sometimes that's the story. I, I'm gonna let y'all mo. I'm, this is a, a max that I'm gonna concede to y'all most. This, but I have one question for everyone here. When I came out of Double or Nothing, it was very clear to me that that, that was like the crystallization of what. Cody Rhodes is as a wrestler versus how he was portrayed. It was the only time that it intersected between his time in WWE, his time in Ring of Honor, his time in New Japan, where he was always kind of portrayed as this one person, but it didn't ever feel like it. But Double or Nothing was kind of the point where that intersect. Do you all get a sense of that now? Like how different he is now in All Elite versus he, he, how he was before? He's yeah, fully self-actualized. Yes, it yeah. is. He has... The one or two best match, I mean, that, that's not a real sentence, but everybody knows what I mean, on every show. Yeah. The Dustin match is one of my favorite matches of the year. The Darby match was very good. This match was excellent. As I keep saying, he has figured out how perfectly to hide his weaknesses and highlight his strengths. He's not a super worker at guy. He doesn't have to be. He can have a great match with Kota Ibushi, as he did. The and handsome he, battle. And he can right, and he can have a great match with Sean Spears by laying it out in a way that a we were all invested, like Aaron was saying, and who was going to win. I was unglued for Cody coming out, and I there are times I've hated Cody, you know. I was unglued for him. All I wanted was for him to win this match. What I really wanted was to see him hit Sean Spears with a chair over the head. Really wanted to see that. We didn't get that, but you got a perfect story. It was the rare match where I was. I was uh, disappointed that it ended when it did. I would have liked to have seen it gone on longer. More Cody really getting revenge on Sean Spears. But man, it was overbooked, but in a perfect way. Mm -hmm. And when I was disappointed when MJF was the second, and I was convinced, you know, Mike keeps telling me that MJF was going to turn last night. And I was like, damn. I'm glad he didn't. I know, but I was like, maybe it makes sense because they built so much out of who was going to be the second. So that has to play in somehow. So I was like, hmm, you know, MJF is there. And then Tully keeps getting more and more involved. Tully was great. Yes, and I'd kind of forgotten about Arn. And then Arn comes out. And I'm a guy who grew up watching, uh, I mean, I'm probably too young to have watched Jim Crockett promotions. But, like, that early era of WCW and then loved WCW. I've gone back and watched a lot of the Jim Crockett. And Arn is also a guy who reminds me of my grandfather, bizarrely, like, in a way, just like his look. He has that energy. Yes, and I just fucking love Arn Anderson. And when he came out, and I saw, and I realized he was about to do the spine buster, 
Aaron can attest that I lost my fucking mind. And he started slapping me in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, he's going to do the spine buster. And he spine busted him, and I just, like, I lost my mind. It was so good. A great moment. Uh, Cody is the best American wrestler that exists today. Wow. Big. Sure, I, you know. Uh, something sure, that's, whatever. Something that's worth checking out. <laughs> Because this didn't happen on the show, they did do a backstage interview with Cody after the show on Twitter with Jen Decker, where he was like very happy. He's like, "This is it. We we settled it. This was a full stop. It's time for me to move on ahead. I'm gonna move on. There's someone else I want to talk. You have you talk to, and that is if if you say that if you want to know a Rhodes, you have to get a you have to get a Blanchard. If you want to get a Blanchard, you need to get this man, Arn Anderson. And Arn Anderson came in. And cut like one of the best 90 second promos ever because Arn Anderson's the best. He's one of the best talkers that's ever yeah. lived. So if you've not seen this this Twitter thing, go and seek it out. I it rolled. It. Like he just is amazing. And this just was great. Alright. I've I've been excited enough. I'll move on. <laughs> Young Bucks taking on the Lucha Brothers in a match that none of us were excited about. <laughs> and I think it's super over-delivered. Yeah. yeah. A lot of interesting spots, a lot of fun. Uh Nick almost died. And you just, you can't have come away from this disappointed. Great match. Yeah, super exceeded expectations. I thought the pacing was like the pleasant part of this. Because like a lot of the previous matches of these uh, two teams have just been like, oh, the thing that we're going to impress you with right now is how fucking fast and, and quickly we're moving between all these wild spots that we do. Um, and that just becomes sort of rote when you've seen it a lot of times. And the speed of it really kind of undercuts Maybe the, the actual impressiveness of those spots. Uh, but this was, like, better paced because you had to do all this construction with the ladders and all this stuff. And all the spots, I thought, uh, were insane and also just had a huge impact and got the crowd on their feet, like, multiple times. It was really... I, I do wonder if I would have a totally different opinion if I watched this on TV versus being there, that maybe this is a thing where the... Uh, spectacle of it and seeing people standing on a ladder, you know, uh, 60 feet from you or whatever, like, makes it mean that much more. But uh, in the room, I was like, oh, fuck, that was fucking wild. I, yeah. I kicked ass. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this kind of match is not what I really am interested in. And going in, I was like, there's no reason for these people to be wrestling. There's no heat. It's just like the Young Bucks being the Young Bucks. But yeah, if you're going to have this kind of match, this was the perfect way to do it. This was the best version of this match. They did a ton of cool spots. I was into it the whole way. Um, yeah, the Canadian Destroyer on the lat. It was, it, was, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. They went out. They did their flips. They killed themselves. It was a proper Young Bucks extravaganza. The Lucha Bros were cool. I don't have much more. It's like not really a thing to. It's kind of like a big Michael Bay movie or something. Or whatever, <laughs> right. where you're like the explosions and the car chases fucking rip. You know? <laughs> and, and Nate and I will both defend Michael Bay as he is a Miami. He's not a Miami alum, but he's a Miami. Miami adjacent. The, uh, adjacent. Yeah. His, his his rock movie was good. Yeah. Of uh, uh, Pain and Gain. Pain and Gain was fun. Pain and Gain was was a fun movie. But yeah, uh, I was at the press scrum afterwards, and a funny note was Nick was like, I came back to the back. And my phone has never blown up like that before because first it was my wife who was like <laughs> trying to make sure everything's okay. And I immediately had to FaceTime and then it was all my friends and all the wrestlers were like, uh, uh, uh. and he just was just like, I'm going to hurt tomorrow. I lucked out there and you know, this 
this is it. I think this is the last time you'll see me do something like this for a while. And it just was like a, a perfect, like Michael Bay, like as A.T. said, this felt like a Michael Bay movie. And, it, and I think it's something that with uh, this kind of ends this chapter, the, the, this prologue is now over with, it, with their story in it. And they really clearly were like, okay, we are, the, the, the Lucha Brothers and I, and us are done. We're ready to move forward to this. And that was one of the other things they really said during the press conference afterwards. But it, it was fun. Like, it's one of those things that I feel like I've watched this match or a Salas match between these two teams nonstop this year. So, like, I'm glad that this was the blow-off. It felt like an appropriate blow-off. And I'm ready to see what the path forward is going to be for both the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. And to be honest, I'm going to be excited to see, like, okay, Phoenix versus some of these people on the roster. How we're going to see Penta versus some people on the roster. Like, what if we're going to get a Penta versus Chris Jericho matchup at, like, down the road? Like, I'm more interested in that now than anything else involving these teams. And I felt like that this did a good job of, like, satiating myself because I wanted the end of the feud, but also preparing myself for what comes next. We forgot to say that uh, the Lucha Brothers won. Yeah, they won. <laughs> uh, yeah. Penta's costume was awesome. Penta got unmasked. Yeah. That, yeah. That's happened a lot, though, with him lately. The big spot. SB was, like... Shocked by this. The crowd really, they booed like heartily. Yeah. Like hearty boos. Like, oh, you guys have, haven't been watching Pueblo and seeing Magic, Magic <laughs> pull them off every, you know, three weeks. Not but. watching Microman matches lately. <laughs> um, uh, after the match, we get two guys out in black uh, sweat suits, right? And they have masks on, reminding me a lot of my favorite movie, Point Break. Well, that's what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I was uh, excited. I was hoping, you know, Patrick Swayze back from the dead. Under one of those masks. Just roadhouse it? Yes. But uh, they attacked the Young Bucks, which I think is... Obviously, that's where, I guess, a story's going to go, but weird in that the Young Bucks had just lost, you know? But uh, it's LAX, folks, as we... Not, not LAX. They made it very clear that they are not LAX. They're Ortiz and Santana. Okay, sorry. But that, that was something in the press conference that whenever it was mentioned, they are like, no, it's not LAX. We're Ortiz <laughs> and Santana. Yeah, Impact owns the LAX IP. Going back yeah. to homicide internet. But so. sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you, AB. Oh no, just that's who's here, as we have been predicting, uh, and obviously they're going to be the the mystery team in the trios match that'll be in DC uh, with Chris Jericho versus Omega and the Bucks. Yeah, I think. Yeah, fully. Yeah. So uh, that was good, but nobody cared. Nobody in the crowd. Oh, I, I don't think nobody cared. They got a big reaction. They got they a medium a, size. They yeah. got a, honestly a bigger one than I expected because I was like, I don't think anybody in here has been watching fucking Impact. Because <laughs> if they did, then this wouldn't be like a big deal because that has the Lucha Brothers and all that shit. They got a good pop. Yeah, everyone's watching Hog. I don't know. Dave Meltzer says that uh, a lot of crossover between Impact and AEW. <laughs> in terms of viewers, pay per view buys, right? Um, well, if we want you to Dave's math, then we're going I'm to... I was, I'm mostly joking. Okay, okay, because okay, I was going to say, there's, there's no whiteboard in this hotel room for us to, like, write down everything and, like, draw lines and circle and dot it at the end of it. All right, it's main event time, folks. Chris Jericho takes on the hangman, Adam Page, and Jericho wins with the motherfucking Judas Effect! Judas Effect. Judas in my mind. Otherwise, people were singing along to... Judas song. Oh yes, it was way was, over. Yeah, very funny to me. People it, also sang along to Cody's song. Yes, but that's not as funny as Judas song. All right, I'm gonna. I want to get my big take off first, and Nate will hate it probably, and that'll inspire some discussion. So <laughs> I, I'm interested to see what this is because I feel like you really don't know where I'm gonna be on. Okay, so I thought this match. Actually, I wouldn't say it underdelivered for what it was. For what I was expecting, it. Might have exceeded my expectations. I thought it might be bad. 
and it turned out to be fine. I got it at three and a quarter, so I thought it was a fine match. Not a world title match, especially not your first world title match. But here's my big thing. The crowd, uh, there was a decent pocket of fans who was in favor of Adam Page. But Jericho was certainly the biggest star, and most of the crowd was rooting for Chris Jericho to win, which is obviously not what you want. So, what I was, well, not what you want in that the heel face dynamic here. So, I was hoping that they would figure out a way to really get some sympathy on Adam Page in the match, considering that they weren't able to do that with the build. I was like, well, Jericho is a veteran. He knows how to get sympathy on this guy. So, about the time I'm thinking, why did, well, they tried first, let's have Page do all his big spots. Maybe that'll get the crowd behind him. That didn't really work. So, then I'm thinking, well, what else could they well, do? first they had him come out on the fucking horse. Yes, that's right. They had him come out on the horse, which was over, the, for sure. That was great. Yes. But the big spots, that didn't work to like get, really get the crowd behind him. The big spots didn't work. I'm sitting there thinking, he needs to bleed. The guy's got to bleed. Let Jericho beat the shit out of him. And maybe the crowd will get into his comeback. He can come up just slightly short and be a huge star. Yeah, to the chase. Right. Instead, Jericho gets blood. So, what the story is, is because <laughs> Jericho made Adam Page bleed first and is the hated heel, then you have the babyface come back and get his valiant revenge by making the other guy bleed. Yeah, it just didn't work. No, I, the match, like, mostly didn't work. Um, it kind of... Yeah, because a lot of it was, like, Jericho, like, stumbling around and selling the blood, and it's like, I just wasn't impressed. Like, right. I've seen guys sell blood and look uh, like they're dying. Like, fucking Dr. Wagner Jr. is that, you know, looking like he's dying in the Triple Mania main event more than Jericho was doing here. Um, yeah, so I don't know if we're on the same page there or not. We pro- I guess maybe we are. It's just that they didn't do a, a good job of getting Paige over in the building. It's like, okay... The build didn't work, but we can do something in this match. And it did not come together. Instead, you know, Jericho was trying to heal to the crowd, and the crowd, I mean, they, you know, chanted at him a little bit, but it was a huge pop when he won. People wanted Chris Jericho to win. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately a failure for for the show. And it's going to make you wonder what is their long-term thing with Paige, because Paige is now a, someone who has lost the title match. He's going to be partnering up against... Pac, who is coming off like much more of a star than he did, and arguably you should probably build up Pac to be someone down the line to be a next challenger. But you know, like the big thing was like if this is going to be like like Cody's division. Like the idea is you want him to be your magnum TA, your chasing hunk babyface, and sure he's got the hunk part down right, but I don't really feel compelled by the way that he's going to chase this for the title, and that's the thing that. I think it's going to be a problem going forward because, I mean, Jericho's first champion, that has always been the right play. Like, at least from, like, a business perspective, but you needed to have, like, your second result be that Paige was ready to go. And I came out of this match thinking, oh, he rode in on a horse. That's neat. And then moved on with my life. Yeah. I think that um, this was fun. Like, Chris Jericho's the biggest star in the world. He's awesome. And the crowd was so into him. And it was like... It's cool because, like, in real sports, when a guy is, like, washed, he's just washed, unless he, like, does steroids or something, and then has, like, <laughs> one year where he's good again, but then he's back to being washed. But, like, I just think back to, like, five years ago when Jericho came back at the Royal Rumble, and he had those matches with uh, Daniel Bryan. It was like, this is fine. This guy is, like, you know, I guess, like, when he went to Japan, he had the match in Japan, and we were like, this guy's, like, kind of done. You know, he's not going to be... And then he just totally reinvented himself, and he feels like 
the biggest hottest star in u.s wrestling and it's fucking awesome um i think that yeah he just totally ate up and dwarfed the hangman and it is a fit i mean but the other thing to keep in mind i feel like about hangman page is he's young it's early in his career this is kind of like his first like super big push he's gonna have plenty of time it's fine for him to be a mid to upper mid card baby face that people are getting into um I don't know. It's, like, fine that they weren't able to make a main eventer right here. And, and, and frankly, like, they already have enough main eventers for the next couple of months that it's, like, where would you even put him? Yeah, now you've got um, Pac and Kenny and Moxley and Jericho is, like, your top four, I think. And Cody. And Cody. So and you Cody. have, like, five kind of, like, big stars already who are ready to be in that main event mix. And if... You know, if you ever want to pull in Penta yeah. or Phoenix, like yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, if you had, singles, if you had six, yeah. it, it, so they, let's throw Penta in there. I don't know if they're going that direction with right, Penta. It seems right. like maybe they're not. Right. But I do think like Penta would have the charisma to be able to stand opposite Jericho mm-hmm. in that sort of spot. If you had six belts and new or six six chi- stars on that level in New Japan, there'd be four belts between them. Yeah. Whereas here we have one belt. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm with you there. Yeah, so, I don't know. I thought it was, like, it was, you know, a bummer that they didn't get him there, but I'm not, like, super worried about him. No, I don't think it's a failure, like, for the promotion. I don't think they're in trouble. I just think that this show failed because of that. Yeah, and then one, one other uh, thing. I enjoyed yeah. myself, so it didn't. No, I had a good time, yeah. too. I'm just saying, like, what <laughs> yeah. you're trying to do is a wrestling promotion. Your main event failed. That's bad. Okay. And I, I guess two, two final thoughts. It's like, one is, like, until CM Punk shows up on one of these shows in Chicago, oh. every Chicago show is going to be, like, hurt down the stretch. No, Because so, everyone is, like, looking towards the entrance, waiting for CM Punk. So, there were people in the crowd that were like, who wants CM Punk coming out? Yeah. Like, you could feel it around you. And, like, the promotion needs to shut the fuck up about CM Punk. Stop right. talking about it. Right. You're working against yourself. Like, yes. shut yeah. the fuck up. You're working yourself to shoot, brothers. <laughs> if you ever say anything else about him, it should be, he is never going to be in this promotion. Yeah. Like, That's it. All you're doing is like making people disappointed at the end of the night. Like manage expect. Stop saying every show is gonna be the greatest show of all time. Like, yeah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, that yeah. was bad. But it, it was a bummer, and it's because of those expectations. You expected a big surprise. You know, somebody to come out at the end we, that gets you talking going into TV. And now, right. I mean, I guess like it's there's it's like Jericho there's some well. buzz. It's like oh, Chris Jericho's a world champion. You can tell yeah. your friends oh, the, the champion's Jericho. But, like, it felt like going into TV, you want that big, like, did you see right. X bit? You know, because when we think about the wrestling wars, it's like, what's the, you know, a big jump? Honestly, right? if you could do the Moxley debut here, yes. it would have been better. Yes. Do the Moxley yeah, yeah. debut here, and you could still, like, he wasn't on this show anyway. and it, yeah. like, So it wasn't, it wasn't, you would not have been hurt by not having Moxley to this point. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe Fighter Fest doesn't do as well if you don't have that match, but. It wasn't going to be Pac. I mean, I think it's That's possible that Pac. Oh, right, as a big surprise if he. Yeah, yeah okay. I mean, they've said no, but. Yeah. Right. You're, yeah, that could have been. It's like, well, now we need the match. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that would have led to Hen versus Page, so that would have made sense in that regard. Mm-hmm. I think we should also shout out that uh, Aubrey Edwards was the ref for this match, so their first world title match, and they had a uh, woman referee without any pomp and circumstance of saying, like, oh, we're going to have a woman referee in our first match, but they did. She was great. Had the great interaction with Jericho where he pushes her. And that did get a little bit of heat. Yeah. And she got right in his face. That was great. Got to fuck him up, Aubrey Chan. Yeah. That was, oh, yeah. That was awesome. She did a great job. Uh, after the show, 
Cody comes out. Not sure whether... I saw some people suggesting that maybe there was still a feed going where you could see Cody talking. I think there were some feeds that were still going. I think the yeah. official feed was supposed to be off, but people who had other providers might have had it. Okay, so Cody comes out and basically... He kind of sh shades Jericho a little. I know I see some thank you Jericho signs. Maybe suggesting that Cody Jericho is a... Well, if we go back to the road twos, they set that up really off the whole That's thing. That's right. Thing. Yeah, so they had, we're doing the long play on Cody and Jericho. Well, he's the biggest star in his promotion, so I mean, he should be the champion. Uh, oh, anyway, he says, here's the person you really should thank. It's Tony Khan, and sadly, a lot of the crowd uh, goes for it. And <laughs> is uh, chanting, thank you, Tony. Uh, don't do that. I was, I got like mildly cringy when I was like, we were like on our way to the exits and we stopped and the people cheering, going wild for him. It's like, to his credit, he did look like super uncomfortable the whole time. He's like, yeah. stop, stop. Like, <laughs> waving, like trying to wave Cody off or whatever. Um, but yeah, I was like, guys, be cool. Like don't fucking cheer for the commissioner when you get the NBA title. Just like, yes. And he almost got there, but uh, Tony, if you're listening, what you want to say is the workers build this promotion. The wrestlers are what's important, and uh, I'm just a guy who's helping it happen. So mm -hmm. say that next time if, if this happens again. Uh, but yeah, that, this was bad. So uh, don't don't cheer for Tony Khan. Okay, I think that's it. Anybody else got anything you want to say? We got guys who need to get to the airport, so I uh, need to shut this down. So I know that I made a thing about going to the press conference. I'm gonna call spade a spade here. The press conference <laughs> experience was not as like individually. I don't say rewarding. It's just like they had one group. It was staged, which bothers me because they incorporated us in an angle, which did not have my consent. And I take these kind of things very uh, seriously. But the footage out there, like I do have audio footage for it. I might drop it later this week if we don't record another episode, just so we might have something else other than this review. But it's basically the same thing that everyone else has yeah. said so far. Like everyone out there, it was cool. I'm glad they have press and they treat it more like a press thing just not as like interesting and not as like they had everyone together there were like no breakout sessions so unless you were like people from like clickbait sites you weren't getting questions in anyways so that's all i want to say there it was a blast doing this and i'm so glad that we got our sweet big treat on the show finally that's right yes yeah, good, 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 good to be back but we will not rest until we find out whether this promotion pays for transportation for uh, the wrestlers or healthcare or what uh, you know Cody and Tony think about Tarantino doing Star Trek <laughs> yes we will, neither will we rest until we know that uh, so I, we told you all last week we have a new host for the podcast redcircle.com if you click on the red circle link for our show there is a button that's called a uh, that you can sponsor the show that's basically just a donation if you like what we're doing you can do a monthly donation or a one-time donation, throw some bucks at us, then we will split up evenly because this is a democratic show. Uh, and we'll if you sponsor after today, we'll probably give some to Aaron. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I Help know. Huge. Help big treat get treats. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so make sure you do that if you want to. Make sure you subscribe to the show, Everything Elite, on the podcast app of your choice, or the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Make sure you're rating and reviewing. We're of course not reading any of our reviews. Uh, today because we're doing this uh, off our cell phones basically um, <laughs> but make sure you're subscribed or not subscribed but following us on twitter at everything aew i'm at aaron like the car nate is at epitasis mike is at fuji heya at is at ap taub i think that's it so for mike for nate for aaron i'm aaron we'll see you next time okay.